Please turn to Luke chapter 10. This is where we are going to base our thoughts. We have been looking at the main points of the Christian message and we have lingered on the subject, because it's an important subject, of God's words and as they relate to us. And Steve led us past two Sunday mornings in a very comprehensive and thorough uh, description of, uh, of God's word and an understanding of its importance. And I want simply to look at this question in a more, in, in sort of in a practical way, how to benefit or be blessed in relation to God's word. So how to have the blessing and benefit of what Steve was so helpfully teaching about on the last couple of Sundays. And what I have is a picture and some principles and some practicalities. And I've got one picture and six principles and I think at the last count, four practicalities. I kept on changing my mind and adding things in and uh, we'll see whether it, it still was four. The picture is the picture of Luke 10, 38, 42. Let me remind you of what the picture is. It is a home. It is two sisters, Martha and Mary, and it is Jesus as he visits the home. And it looks something like this. We have these three figures. We have Mary sitting down. We have Jesus who is speaking, and we have Martha who is busy in the kitchen. That's the simple picture of it. And it's, it, it, you can pick up on some of the dynamics of it in the way that Luke tells us. So Luke 10:39. So Martha, bless her, has opened her home to the Lord Jesus. So she's a hospitable woman, and. Uh, one who is on the side of Jesus. She opens her home to Jesus. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. There's Mary who sits at the Lord's feet listening, uh, literally listening to his word. So picture that if you will. And now we have Martha who is busy in the kitchen uh, it says she was distracted by all the diaconian, all the, all the deaconing work, all the practical service. There were potatoes to peel. There were tomatoes to chop. There were onions to slice up. There was a whole pile of washing up in the sink. Uh, there were probably bills to be paid. Uh, there was um, cleaning to be done. There was hoovering to be done. Just you name it. That's what on her list. And Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. So you get the picture. She's in the, in the kitchen, beavering away and actually fuming away as well. And Mary is just, you know, what is she doing? She's not lifting her hand to do a stroke of work, but she's just sitting there listening, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and listening to his word. You get the picture. You're beginning to get the picture. Martha comes along and says, Lord, 
don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? I think you can perhaps pick up on the, the vibe of this. You might even have said that uh, on some occasions yourself. Look at these people. I've cooked a wonderful meal. They've all swanned off to go to the park, leaving all the washing up to me. How unfair, how insensitive, how immature. And this is what Martha comes to say to Jesus. Look at my sister. She's not doing a stroke of work. Don't you, don't you care about this, Jesus? Uh, don't you care my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to get off her bottom and do some work. Tell her to help me. And you're with me so far because you'd be probably thinking much the same thing. And so forth. it's a little bit surprising of what Jesus says. He says it very nicely, doesn't he? He says, he repeats her name, Martha, Martha. Okay, he doesn't say woman, he doesn't say you, he calls her by her name, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled, you are worried and upset about many things. And you could list them. But Lord, there's the washing up, Lord, there's the, there's the onions haven't been done yet, Lord, there's the potatoes, Lord, there's the rubbish that hasn't been even taken. You're upset and worried about many things. But there is one thing that is needed. At this particular point, at this particular time, although there's many things you could think about, at this point there is one thing that is needed. And Mary has chosen this. Mary has chosen the better the better deal, the better part. Uh, she's opted into this. She's chosen the better part, and I'm not going to tell her to get off her bottom and go and help you. This will not be taken away. Do you get the picture? That's the picture. That, that, that's it. It's a. Um, you might like to think where you would be in the picture, I suppose. I know where I'd be. Um, that's the picture, one picture. And I want to say that this is meant to be a picture of the discipleship that Jesus commends. Uh, it is to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his word. And that he commends it. He says it's the better thing. It's the, uh, he, she has chosen the better, it's <coughs> at least it's good, it's actually better. Uh, it's a place of benefit, it's a place of blessing. I'm sure that is a legitimate inference from the fact Jesus says it's better. And that's the picture I'd like us to think about this morning, and that's the, the biblical input in a sense. And I'm saying that this is a picture of discipleship, and it's a picture of discipleship that is relevant to us today in that if we are to be Christian disciples, we too are to sit at the feet of Jesus 
and listen to his words. And I want to say that in our day and age, that translates into taking time to do God the honor of listening to what he says in his word. And his word is the Bible. This is, this is the record of what God says. So I'm going to say that this for us one application of it perhaps a main application of it is for us to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear his word by taking time to listen to what the Bible says now you might say but actually uh, Phil to be perfectly honest in the picture in, in the story there's no Bible and Jesus was there so how do you make this equation between reading the Bible and this picture and I'm going to say go and listen to what Steve said uh, in the last two sermons because I think he made the point very clearly that the Bible is the word of God if you want to know what God says what the Bible says is what God says so we don't have Jesus physically here on earth with us but we have what the Word of God says in the Bible. And I'm going to just assume that that makes sense because it does make sense. So let's do some principles and then some practicalities. And when we come to the practicalities, I would really be interested if you have some thoughts about how this works out in practice perhaps things that you have found helpful in reading the Bible uh, or things that you have found difficult that we might be able to, uh, somebody might have an answer to. We'll see how time goes and we'll see how that progresses. Principles. Number one, it's not the only thing ever commanded by Jesus. He doesn't always say, don't do any work, let somebody else do the work. He doesn't always say that. Uh, for example, he says we're to wash one another's feet. So that's work. And in lots of places, work is commended. So we shouldn't say that you know, the, the only thing ever to do is let somebody else do the difficult work. Certainly not. But I think what it's talking about is place and priority and proportion. There is a place, there is a time, there is a part of our lives in which we should just leave the washing up and the hoovering for a little while and stop and choose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. My example was like brushing your teeth. I don't think this is a very good example, but Brushing your teeth, you don't do that all, time, all the time, do you? I mean, you would be really, um, really questionable if you spent 24 hours a day washing, brushing your teeth. But there is a time in which you need to brush your teeth and not to be distracted by something else, but just something that you do for the sake of your general health and, and hygiene. There is a time in which we need to stop everything else and listen to Jesus. Second principle, we're not talking about point scoring. We're not talking about 
earning and achieving and competing so that it would be totally, we would totally miss the point if I said, right, how many people here have read the Bible for 20 minutes a day uh, over the past week? And give them a round of applause. And then how many people have read the Bible for between 20 and 30 minutes a day? And then we give them more of a round of applause. And how many people have read the Bible for more than 30 minutes a day? And it's not a competition. It's not a competition. It's not reading the Bible is not something which earns us stars of merit. It is not like that. It, it can easily be get into that frame of mind, but what it is, is relationship. It is the way we relate to Jesus. Who is he? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. How do you relate to a Savior like that? You go and sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say and put your trust in him and if he tells you to do something, you do it. It's a relationship. It's not point scoring. It's a relationship. The Lord in heaven says of Jesus Christ, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So do him the honor of Listening, in the same way that we would do Adam the honor if we wanted to know what he thought about Dr. Who, to just stop and let him speak. So stop and let Jesus speak. And it is not a pointless, magical exercise. I was told by one of my friends who was Iranian that uh, a member of his family was in the habit of reciting the Quran or learning the Quran in Arabic even though she spoke Farsi. So to me that seems a pointless exercise if you don't understand it. And we're not talking about reading a book just as magic. So you recite a summer of verses and it has a magic effect. No, we're talking about listening to a person. You know how you listen to somebody. You don't do it with your mind half on something else and you think, oh, well, at least I've listened for 15 minutes. That was good. Right, finish with that. You actually listen. You take an interest. You, you, you get involved with what they're saying. Uh, and, and in case you were thinking that it's only... that Christian devotion never gets into this sort of magical view. I was visiting an abbey the other day, I, as I do, of course, and uh, the, the publicity video was saying that the brothers gather together for their lunch and they have the Bible read to them in Latin. Anybody here speak Latin? Well, I sincerely hope that some of them did, but it seems a pointless thing to me if you don't speak Latin to have the Bible read to you in Latin. Uh, and it it comes under the heading, I would have thought, uh, this is a slightly different context, of, of, of vain repetition, words that mean nothing. They're just counted as words. What did she do? She listened. She gave attention. She entered into understanding what Jesus said. She thought through what he was saying. She acted upon Jesus was saying, what he was saying. So, some things that it is not not the only thing ever commanded, not point scoring and not magic but what it was was a deliberate 
choice, a deliberate policy, despite pressure to do something different. Please notice that. Uh, the, there was the pressure of the onions themselves saying, please slice me. I don't know if you can see an onion without feeling that you need to slice it. And there was the peer pressure of her sister saying, you lazy so-and-so, you're just sitting here letting me do all the work, uh, which was pressure from the family. And uh, there's all sorts of pressure that say to us, don't bother sitting and listening to Jesus. Don't bother doing it. Lots of other things that you could do, lots of other things that you should do, lots of other things that are, are there to be done, and press in on us to squeeze out this moment, this time of sitting and listening. And it was a deliberate choice against the flow. Now, there's various places in the Bible which recognize this. For example, the parable of the sower, where the word was planted. Do you remember this? But uh, I used to be able to remember this text, but it's gone from me now. Um, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and worry about things come in and choke the word. And I think that is very familiar to all of us. There's the word. Shall we sit and listen? No, the, concern, the cares of this world, the pressures of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and what did I say it was? Something like the um, care about things. I've, I'm sorry. Desires for, desires for other things come in and choke the word. The Bible is very realistic about this, but Mary chose this. Remember what Jesus said? Mary has chosen what is better. She made a de deliberate choice. Let's see if I can remember this illustration. It goes something like this. Uh, you're given a great big box and you're given some rocks and some sand and some dust and you're told to get as much as you can in the box. So one way to do it would be to put the dust in, that's fairly easy, and then put the sand in. And then what you'll find is that it's very difficult to get the rocks in because the space is already taken up. So that doesn't work. The, the, the way, if you want to fill the box and get the rocks in, you put the rocks in first. Put the rocks in first and then the sand and the dust fits in the spaces round. You can actually get a lot in that way. And it is a question in our lives of putting the rocks in first. Which bits do we say, I absolutely need to have this in my life? Put that in first. Do I need to spend time listening to Jesus Christ and listening to his voice? I do. Well, plug that in first. That's one of the fixed things that I definitely do, rather than something I try and fit in afterwards after everything else has squeezed it out. Do you see my point? Fifthly, principle-wise, she was willing and reverent 
because I think sitting at somebody's feet is a place of willingness and reverence rather than grasping somebody by the lapels and threatening them, which is not willing and not reverent. But she wasn't doing that with Jesus, was she? She wasn't in confrontation with him. She was in submission to him. And I want to say that it's important the attitude that we bring to our time of listening to the voice of Jesus. Because if we're physically, as it were, sitting at his feet, but mentally we're taking by the lapels and, say, and, and saying, I'm not going to do anything, you tell me. I think it is very unlikely that it will be a fruitful conversation. If we come to the Lord settled in our hearts that we're going to be disobedient, if we come to the Lord settled in our hearts that we're going to do whatever we want, no matter what he says, if we come to the Lord in a position of consistent non-compliance, I don't think we're fulfilling this picture. It's a picture which you would find in other terms, but the same sort of idea when Samuel heard a voice in the temple and Eli said to him, that's the Lord speaking to you. And Samuel said, well, what do I do? And Eli says, well, what you need to do is to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It seems to me that that is the right sort of prayer, the right sort of attitude, if we are to exemplify this picture in our lives. Here's the time. Here I am. Here's God's word. Lord, I am receptive to what you say. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I've also put in there the, the text which says in the authorized version, be doers of the word, not hearers only. So I don't think Mary was just listening so that she could write an essay. She was listening so she could take it in and then live it out. That seems to me to be the attitude that we see in the picture. And that seems to me to be the attitude that we need to have in our, as we put this into practice in our lives. So I say we're not blessed if we're planning disobedience. And if you say, well, I'm reading the Bible, but it doesn't do me any good. If I may be so bold, is it possibly because you are simultaneously saying you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, but in practice you're grasping by the lapels and saying, I don't want to do what you tell me. Jesus told a parable about two men building houses, building their lives in other words. One man built his house, but it had no foundation. It was built on sand. The other man built his house, and it was built on rock. When the storms came, storms do come in our lives, they beat on both houses. The house built on sand fell down and didn't stand the test. The house built on rock stood the test. Jesus says, these are like two people. Both hear my word, 
I don't know whether you remember this from the parable, but what he says is, the one who does my word, sorry, who hears my word and does it, is the man who builds his house on the rock. The man who hears my word but doesn't do it is the man who builds his house on the sand. The seriousness that is implied by sitting at the feet of Jesus is borne out in saying, if he tells me to do it, I will put it into practice. Do you follow my point? Sixthly, principle. This is a policy supported by Jesus. I think that's a great encouragement to us. So you will have noted that Jesus didn't say, come on Mary, get off your bottom, go and do some proper work. He said, Mary has chosen the better part, it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus supports her in doing this. And I think it's a great encouragement to us that God supports us in taking time to listen to him and to sit at the feet of Jesus. There are many texts that give us that. I've chosen the, the James 4, 8, which says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah? God supports and goes out to meet the believer who says, I want to meet you. I'm going to take this time to draw near to you. And, ooh, I can't remember where I quote this from. Was it? Might be Psalm, Psalm 1. Yeah. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers, is it? And walk in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates in it day and night. There's a blessing pronounced to the one who does what we're talking about. So those are six principles. But where the rubber hits the road is practicalities. And I want to take a little bit of time to think about practicalities. In real life, we find that... I think many of us struggle in this area. It's fine to say that's a beautiful picture, and it is a beautiful picture, and it's one that we want to aspire to, and yet in practicality, uh, it, it's difficult. It's, it's much easier said than done. So let me just bring out some practical points at least. Nearly all of us nearly all of us, can have a Bible in our own language that we can read. Now, I say nearly all of us because there are language groups that don't have a Bible in their own language, and I say that because not everybody can read. But nearly all of us have a Bible in our own language that we can read. It wasn't always so. So for many, for a large proportion of the church's history, there was not such a thing as printing. It was not possible to have a Bible in your own language and everybody to have their own copy. But where are we now? Well, where we're at is that it is possible. So let's talk about what it is like now. 
you can have a Bible in your own language, you can have a Bible on your iPhone or tablet, and it will read it to you. I've got quite an old tablet now, but it has got a speech, text-to-speech function, pronounces some of the words in a funny way, but the reality is I can bring it up on the tablet, press the button, and it reads it to me. So that's, and it's not difficult to, to, to get that. I mean, it's not super huge technology. I recommend the Huddle from Tesco. It's, they're, run, they're gonna bring in a new model. The, the Huddle tablet is 99 pounds in Tesco. It's a super little device, um, and I'm sure it would do, read the Bible to you if you... Yep, I'm fine with that. Okay, so let's think. So this is not principles. This is what's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to read something every day. I think it's a good idea. It is not commanded because for um, however many centuries, people didn't have their own Bible. We have a Bible, so I think it's a good idea if we read something every day. And you need some judicious choice. What, what bit of the Bible shall I read? Perhaps need some help with that. Uh, uh, you, and you need, sorry, that's not what I meant to say. We need to choose if we're going to do that. That won't just happen by itself. There will be pressures, things, and Satan, and actually our own selves. Because in some of these things, we're our own worst enemies. And Jesus knows that. That's why he's a great king, to defend us from our enemies, and that includes defending us from ourselves. Uh, and also, I say, I think it's a good idea to read something every day, despite if you go through a time where you say, I'm reading this, but it's not going in, and not, it's not moving me to anything. Sometimes people call that spiritual dryness, and it's an issue, but... I haven't got time to sort of go into everything, but I want to say I think it is still a good idea to read something every day, to find a way in your particular life to read something every day. Secondly, I think it's a good idea to use help from other believers. I think it's a good idea to use help from other believers. This is, although... Reading the Bible personally is a one-to-one -one thing. That's, it, we're certainly not only told to read the Bible one-to-one. -one. In fact, much of the exposure of God's people to the Bible is in groups. So we're sitting now thinking about God's Word. Or you might have a Bible study group, or you might have a lunchtime where you meet with other people to look at the Bible, and that is really helpful. On a personal level, you might find a lot of help in some guidebook. If you were going to visit a, a foreign city, you would buy a guidebook, and the guidebook would say, when you are passing through the gates of Rome, please don't forget to look up and see the statue on the right, or something like that. And a guidebook to the Bible says, as you're reading through Mark, please don't forget to look at the way Jesus says this and says that, and a guidebook. So do take a guide with you. 
So don't just say, I, he said, read the Bible. Leviticus, that sounds interesting. I'll try reading that. I think you'd find it quite difficult to read Leviticus without help. Uh, so Bible reading notes are quite helpful. Uh, don't help everybody, and you can find that a particular set of Bible reading notes is helpful for a while, and then you, you, you feel that they're not so helpful. If you have found some Partic anything particularly helpful, hold that thought, and we'll pass the microphone around in a minute, and you can tell us. I think it's a good idea to have a consistent routine. Now, don't make it into a legalistic snare, because we're not talking in the area of command. Jesus says you must read the Bible between... 7 o'clock and 7.15 in the morning. The Bible doesn't contain such a demand, command. We're not talking about a legalistic snare. We're talking about something which is a good idea to have a consistent routine. Your routine may not, it may not be easy to do this. If you're, uh, uh, if you're at home with small children, it would be really difficult to do this. But you might have time every lunchtime, shall we say, to go off uh, on a quiet corner and read your Bible. Uh, you might find, if you're an evening person, that when you go to bed, you could go to bed a quarter of an hour earlier, 20 minutes earlier, and, and read your Bible at bedtime. You might be, uh, you, I think it's an excellent idea to read the Bible at mealtime, and we've, by God's grace, been able to do that in our family with uh, one meal of every day, and I've found that really helpful. Uh, you might be a morning person, and you might say, well, I'm going to begin my day by reading my Bible and praying to the Lord. You might, that might not work for you, but I think in terms of good idea, it's a good idea to have a consistent routine. And if I may say, if you've never really tackled that, if you've got yourself in the place where you say, well, I'm a Christian, but you know, I never read the Bible at all, then I think there's some work for you to do. And trying to say, well, here's a consistent routine. You know, I go to work every morning. I'm 10 minutes on the train. People don't talk to one another on the train. That's the time that I'm going to read my Bible or something like that. I think that would be an excellent idea. But what I do say is that it is vital to relate to God through his word. However we do it in practice, there's something non-negotiable, there's something absolutely vital about relating to God through his word, because that's the relationship that we have. And I'm including prayer. So as we read, we say, you know, that's great, that bit. Thank you, Lord, for what you said to that woman. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for that chap. So it provokes thanksgiving. Or perhaps repentance, where we read something, we say, Lord, please don't let me do that. Lord, I've thought about that. Those thoughts have been in my mind. I'm so sorry about that. And I ask you to help me to live better. Repentance as we, as we read. Faith as we read. 
here perhaps is a promise. And, my, 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 and I might ask myself, there's the promise, Phil. You're a Christian. Are you going to believe that? To respond in faith and to respond in obedience. This is what it says. This particular passage, I, 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 um, I'm learning this. It tells me to do something. And the question, am I going to do it? Well, hopefully I will. Rightful to relate to God, to relate to God through his word, including as we pray, as we believe, and as we obey. So those are my four practicalities, and I think there is more to be said. So let's take five minutes and see if people have any helpful things to say. So we've got a, a microphone over here, which Zanna's uh, got. We've still got a microphone over there, have we? Right. So I don't, I'm not asking anybody to embarrass themselves. Uh, I, I think it would be reasonably fair to say that most people find that it is not always easy to get that time and it's something you have to uh, work at and sometimes we're better at it than others. Sometimes we completely mess things up. So let's assume that, that, that that's more or less the case. Anybody like to say anything that they found helpful? Anybody like to, sh yes, okay, so faith. What, what, what can you tell us about? Um, as I've got a small child, I find it quite hard and I do get quite lost with the Bible, like not taking it in. And I found I have a small verse every morning that I just read on my phone with my cup of coffee. And um, I've also found meeting with Maria on a Thursday and using a book that basically like, spells it out for you, this is what this means and this is what this means. I find that helpful because I do read through the Bible by myself and then I get about two chapters in and I'm like, I don't, I don't really get that. So I have to put it down and wait until I go and see mum and I, I think what, what you're saying is it is very helpful to use those tools that are available to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So one thing being um, little digestible chunks that somebody perhaps has digested for you so that, and, and found just a sentence that you can put into your head and keep, keep there and the other thing being help from other people uh, meeting like with Maria or asking your mum yeah thank you very much indeed yeah anybody else got anything helpful to say Zach yeah um, there are two things that I found very useful actually um, as a Christian um, the first one is that I found out that if you read three chapters a day you'll get through the whole Bible in a year so um, I did that and there was a lot of it that I didn't understand and uh, I think if anyone reads through the whole Bible, there'll be a lot that you don't understand because it is God's word and he says a lot in that book. Much more than you think he says just by looking at how many pages it's got. Um, and it was well worth it, by the way. I recommend doing it. Um, the other thing is a principle that I think they sort of wrote down in the Reformation. It might have been some other time. But scripture interprets scripture. So you'll be more rewarded the more knowledge you have of scripture because different bits of it help you to understand other parts of it so heavier readers of scripture will get more out of it because they'll understand more of it because they know more of it so you know I recommend to go for it really it will um, help you to grow read Psalm 1 it will 
if you picture what it's like. Thank you very much, Zach. And that's a very helpful point about um, reading the Bible all the way through. If you're a new Christian, you might not even have considered that, but he's absolutely right. If you take the number of pages in your Bible, divide by 365, read that number of pages a day, you actually read the whole Bible in a year. And even though you don't understand all of it, uh, you will begin to pick up on things. And the more you know, the more it makes sense because it begins to connect together. So thank you very much for that, Zach. Jack, may I pick on you? You're a man of experience. Can you tell us what you have found helpful? I'm sure you must have found something helpful. Give the microphone for you. Um, I find that I, if I try and read the Bible at night time, I nod off because <laughs> I fall asleep very easily. Mm. But I'm nice and bright in the mornings, so I try and read my Bible in the mornings. It's just whatever your body clock is like, I think mm. you should follow that. Mm. Um, so, uh, but I. I think it does help sometimes to be a, a bit of a dipper so that um, if you find it difficult to do it at a specific time then it's a good idea to just do it when you've got a little gap, you know, when you've got a slot. So, Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Okay, uh, we need a microphone over here. Oh, it's, it's going to come this way. Zanna's going to, yep. I love it when I'm consistent and when I'm reading the Word, but I'm not consistent. Um, I go through phases of reading the Word every day. It's on, that's okay, yep. I go through phases where I'm reading the Word every day and I'm loving it and getting so much from it and giving so much to others through it. And then I go through a phase where I don't pick up the word mm. and I feel dreadful. Mm. But it's like I almost, I know it's a choice, but I'm pathetic at making those choices. Mm. Yeah, well sometimes <laughs> It's just us, isn't it? We, we, we're not the people that we want to be and we, we have to live with us because we're us. But I, I think there's the, the aspiration, isn't it? We want to just encourage one another to keep going, even if we, even if we trip up in this, just to pick ourselves up and, and keep on going. Yeah, thank you. Ray? Yeah, I mean, I go back to the early 60s. I remember I had that problem. I tend to be like... Jack, I'm opposite to Jack, I find it easier to read it at night, I tend to do it bedtimes, mm. um, and certainly I, I was not reading the Bible every day, and I remember up on the hills of Derbyshire, we were on a house party, Christian house party, and I vowed that I would read the Bible every day, and, and um, sometimes it goes, as I call it, it goes in one eye and out the other, mm. Um, mm. but unless you read the Bible, God doesn't speak to you because you're not listening. Yeah. Um, so if you get to the end of the day and you haven't, then make sure, even if it's just a verse, uh, just to read it, even if it doesn't mean anything, 
it might come back to you later. Um, yeah, I've done reading um, through the Bible in a year. We did that when John Popley was here. I just mm-hmm. found a copy in my sorting out. I've um, just read through uh, from beginning to end. I've uh, used commentaries, Matthew Henry, Matthew Paul, several times. Currently, I use Geneva Bible Notes, which uh, and also um, this time last year I started a morning reading as well. So, um, yeah, just read when you can, as much or as little as you can. If you miss a day, then try and catch up over the next couple of days. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Wes wanted to say something. Zana, could you take the um, mic back to Wes? Hello. Yeah, this car is on. Is on? Yeah. Hello. I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to uh, read the hard copy um, devotion, you know, uh, or deliberate. And uh, I often missed out, you know, some days, and then uh, it breaks the pattern and I stop reading the Bible. And then when I uh, started to discover that uh, there was uh, some, something like uh, online, you know, using the internet, when they have this, uh, put it on the internet and I um, started to use it. And I make an effort to basically uh, do it by, um, you know, we, we got the, I, I got a habit to, to check my emails and stuff like that. So uh, I, I make an effort to say, right, before I uh, check my emails, I, I want to read, uh, check my Gmail, you know, God's, uh, what God wants to say to me, you know, Gmail, you know, I put it this way, not email, Gmail. And then I have been doing this for many, many years. Yeah. And the problem comes when, the, as what uh, Philip said earlier, that it could be, uh, become very legalistic. I remember speaking to Chris the other day, and uh, I, I know I've done my devotion every day. And uh, when um, mm. you know, I spoke with Chris Fry, and uh, I discovered, oh, what did I read this morning? I can't recall. So um, sometimes we just read, and that's the problem when we read. We don't sit down and take time to take it in. And uh, that is another extreme. One extreme sometimes can break the pattern. One extreme, it can be um, just by reading it and not uh, meditating. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Thank you very much. Dan, do you want to say something? Yeah, I've uh, I, uh, found three things uh, very useful for myself. The very first time I got a Bible, I decided to get a study Bible, which was a, uh, a New Living Translation NIV. It wasn't a theological study. It was a uh, very much a relational one, asking you questions about how that passage and text from that time re- relates to your life today. Because many people would often think, I want to read the Bible because you know, times have changed. This isn't re- relevant to my life today. But often you, you come to realize is well yes yeah, true that times have changed but people are still the same they still have the same mm. the same you know same temptations as they had 2000 years ago um so i, f- I found that very helpful um also every day with jesus the uh, daily devotionals i find uh, it's, it's a great way to start my day because it gets me centered on god and his word and as it says in psalm 1 to, to meditate on his word at, you know day and night and, um, and the, other, the other thing I found very helpful was um, in small group study. Uh, 
times you get together in a small group once a week and, and uh, you would yeah, just unpack the Bible together in a certain section, ask questions, challenge each other. And uh, so it's always, it's always very good in a, in a group discussion because when you're by yourself trying to work things out, you, you, you sometimes you know, you'd, you'd miss an angle and somebody else would have uh, an insight that you wouldn't have thought of before. So I found that very helpful. Thank you. And it's worth pointing out that although the evangelical this is our sort of church's first thought is we do this on our own. In the Bible, it, it, listening to Jesus is something that we do. We need one another in, in this. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, I'd like to hear what Chris has to say because there's a microphone near him. But uh, 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 Ross. Um, so I have used a good tool, um, 365, I think it's called, uh, that you can come to me and talk to me afterwards if you're interested in it, and that's um, all the sermons written by Spurgeon, um, and it's there's four volumes, and each each one is um, has every day of the year in dated. And what the uh, guy who compiled it has tried to do is um, actually take the sermon preached, say, 150 years ago, and um, have it on the same date. Uh, so, say he say sermon, but say Spurgeon preached it on Sunday, the 6th of January. Um, the guys tried to put that sermon on the 6th of January. So that's you know, just a, a byproduct, really, of what you're trying to do. But that's useful, but it's not exposition of, of Scripture. It is a sermon which might have a particular theme. It might be an exposition of Scripture, where they're just talking about a certain passage, um, but it might have, have a theme. Um, and then there'll be, like, a, if you want to go a bit deeper and read a, a section of Scripture, that'll be there as well. So that's been useful. Um, and that's quite in-depth. Uh, and it, I think it's relevant for today, even though it was written 150 years ago. Um, the other thing that I that I get is something called Word at Work, which is where you go to the Word at Work website and put your email in, and you'll get an email once a day um, with a section of scripture and an exposition, mm -hmm. um, and then a prayer at the end. And I don't do that every day, but it's there in my inbox, and if I need to refer to it, it's there. Uh, another good one is uh, the Daily Light for the Daily Path, which was written by a family in, I think, the early 20th century or late 19th century. And that's really good. That's, um, again, dated. And so you've got, like, um, uh, the 26th of July, 27th of July. So um, there's one, one section for every day of the year. And what they did is they have taken a theme and um, gone through the whole Bible together as a family and compiled scriptures around that theme. Um, and so, um, yeah, you can then kind of um, see how the Bible's weaved together through mm. that theme. Mm. Um, and that's been helpful. And, and we've tried to do that after dinner time, but it doesn't always work. So there's, there's a few things that, that I mm. found helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, uh, is this on? Yeah. Yep. 
Word at Work. You recommended it to me, and it's really good. I can um, confirm that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's um, just very systematic, isn't it? It goes through verse by verse by verse through um, the, the whole book. And uh, you know, just chunks. You don't have to sit there for half an hour. It's um, a, few, a few minutes, so it's good. Good to just have that reminder when you log on. <laughs> Great. Yep. Oh, right. I'll give it a go. Yeah. There's lots of different ways. And again, it's not a competition. We're not, uh, you know, we're, not, we're not trying to say, I've got a better way than you've got a better way. We're just trying to help one another. And I think what, if, if in our hearts we really do want to hear the Lord and to sit at his feet and listen to his word on a regular basis, there's lots of ways to do it. And I think the Lord will meet us in, in almost whatever way we try, if that's our intention and that's our prayer, then the Lord is, is saying, yeah, I won't, I'm not going to take that away from you. That's my thought. Anyway, Chris, have you got a reaction? There's a phrase, uh, they're in body but not in spirit. And uh, I think it's quite... I've known a lot of times of being there in body, uh, reading a passage of the Bible but not mm. there in spirit. Mm. So best times when I take a deep breath and remember who I'm coming to and mm. what you've reminded us of to want to have that obedient spirit mm. it's, um, it's rather awesome when we come with that desire to hear God's voice that he does speak mm. Mm. Thank you very much. Uh, very quickly, I find that I wouldn't read the Bible every day, even though I come to chapel and I'm a born-again Christian. But uh, with prayer, I met some people who gave me a UCB book, which is United Christian whatever. Broadcasters. And uh, when I read it, they always have a passage. Everything that is in that word is from the Bible. So there's nothing added or nothing subtracted. <clears throat> so what I do, I get a whole lot of books from UCB every three months, and I distribute it to people. And also, I find that reading the Bible at least once a day, or UCB, it gives me ammunition mm -hmm. to, to fight against Satan for his temptations or whatever. And also, without that, I couldn't have knowledge to speak to anybody, including family, who asked me questions. So I find that when I read that every day, I get more strength. The day I don't read it, I feel very weak, as though I'm very ill. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much, Colleen. Let's close by singing together number 815, which does definitely follow on this idea of, of seeking the Lord personally in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in a regular way. Take time to be holy, speak much with your Lord, Remain in him always and feed on his word. Make friends with God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. And it's not, not a bad thing to be, uh, not a bad advice 
that uh, he's uh, asking us to sing uh, and uh, we're actually singing it to one another uh, as, as good advice. So let's close by singing 815.